2: So our first take flight I don't know what would we call that like our first sample if you're at a brewery, what do they call it? First is taste? it a sample? I don't know. It's like it might be a little cups our first little cup, our first small glass our yeah. first serving is um, you serving. suggested this Esteban yeah, yeah serving Our first serving Esteban, you suggested what did Detroit do to deserve this? So, of course, they set a record for consecutive losses in a season, and then they broke that record and set a new record um, with 28 straight losses against the Celtics. This is really interesting to me because uh, my parents are actually from Detroit. They both grew up there, and we had some extended family uh, in over this little break that I took from my day job. And there was a lot of talk about the Pistons Mm -hmm. and people in Detroit seem to be very pissed off about ownership and thinking that this ownership that came in in 2011 has only further screwed up a franchise that has been screwed up essentially since the Chauncey Billups trade in their minds back in uh, 2008 for Allen Iverson. And I think if you look at it compared to the Celtics, It is a good lesson of as much as people might get frustrated that this Celtics ownership doesn't always go into, um, you know, the luxury tax and doesn't always uh, go after or land a Kevin Durant or super high name, whoever, you know, free agent, whoever's requesting a trade in July that year that they are good stewards of the team. And you can find yourself in these endless rebuilds and then going into the first round of the playoffs and then back in another three or four year rebuild, even if you're drafting someone like Cade Cunningham. Yeah. And that's kind of where this Pistons team seems to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it before I get into that, Justin, I, I I think I realized this yesterday, but have you ever do you remember the Pistons ever being truly competitive in in your lifetime? I honestly do not. No, I really oh don't. Oh my god. Yeah, cuz really you, you you're too young to remember. I mean, young. You're I, I'm I, I maybe I'm not that old old not that much older than you, but I I still am old enough to remember like the Pistons making it to the finals in 04 and 05. Um, right. But, but that's just like a foreign concept.
0: Yeah, I was three, so definitely I don't remember that for sure. I do remember okay. playing with uh, Chauncey Billups in some 2K games, though. I do remember that growing up, yeah. but I don't remember so, them being really relevant. Right.
2: Now I have to ask, and this is not to put you on the spot, but what do these phrases mean to you? Bad
0: boys? Well, that one I've heard. That yes. one I've heard. Okay, it was, so it was, you know about that, because that was before yeah, plenty our plenty time. But it's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know it. it was, yeah, yeah. Malice at the Palace. Oh, of course I know that one.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah, of just check out. You, know that
1: one. you, you <laughs> have YouTube seen history. all those.
2: Those are those
0: are history.
1: Yeah. YouTube. The, tells yeah. Okay. You all
2: These those. are like the bookmarks and quasi
1: recent that is also itself like indicative that, like, you know, as you said, like, bad boys is before our time and right. uh, or any of our time. And like Mass at the Palace, like that's a, a low point in not just Pistons and Pacers history, but league history. And like right. that's like That's like, oh, like that's like the last sort of memorable thing. I know, you know, they had Blake Griffin uh, and Andre Drummond, and they had like a couple of, I think, a playoff appearance, maybe two. Um, But even then, nobody was like, oh, you got to watch out for the the Andre Drummond Pistons, right? No,
2: the most interesting thing was like that they had a Van Gundy.
1: Oh, look, they have
2: a Van Gundy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, It's, I mean, I think this is probably the saddest thing about it to me is that the Pistons are one of the league's most uh, historically relevant franchises, um, you know, and and going from as we mentioned the, the bad boy era to the uh, to the to the Chauncey Billups, uh, uh, the Wallace the Wallace the Wallaces not brothers but the Wallaces Ben and rashid uh, the Rip
2: Hamilton Rip mask
1: Hamilton mask yeah. Uh, Tayshon Prince those are some it, that it, like they beat the Lakers they beat Shaq and Kobe in the finals um and this fall from grace is it's it's bad for not just Detroit but just the league as a whole and and now for them to be the franchise who could set the overall record for losses whether over the course of multiple seasons or in a season um yeah I, it's it's uh it's, it's terrible for not just, I think, Detroit, but I think for the NBA.
2: I agree. I think when you have these uh, kind of, I don't know, these, as you said, historic franchises, Yeah. you want them to be usually tent poles of your league, whether it's, right. I would include Pistons. I think you see similar things happening with the Bulls.
1: Right.
2: uh You luckily have the Celtics where they are, and the Lakers for their destination kind of type franchise that they are will always have some relevance. It feels like, but I agree. I I think it's tough, and it's it's a bummer to watch. But at the same time, I'm not going to look at last night's game and say, "Well, now the Celtics are showing some of their ultimate weaknesses."
1: No, no. I mean, as, as we mentioned. There's a talented team. Uh, Cade Cunningham is obviously who he is. Who I think, in any other situation or in any other context, the numbers he's putting up, you would be like, oh, like maybe an all-star. But it's just that's it, it, he's in su- it's such a, it's such a bad situation that that's just not going to happen. You know, they have other talented players, uh, young guys like Jaden Ivey. Um, something I did realize after watching your, uh, sort of uh, the, the game last night and looking into it. Uh, they're tied right now for the most turnovers per game per team at 15.9 right now. The pistons are um, the pistons. They just though. can't get it out of their own way. Uh that you know, if you're if each turnover is somewhere around two ish points, that's I mean, my goodness, how, how are you gonna how are you gonna put yourself in a position to win?
0: And there were two or three yeah, last I, night that they just threw into the crowd. That's a good lesson. Sorry.
1: Oh, that's my there bad. were two uh, or three
0: last night that they just ruins into the crowd that weren't even close that were just completely yeah. their fault like there was just really no rhyme or reason just overthrows just like bad basketball and it's not really a bad team like you mentioned there's a lot of young talent and they they play hard they play quick and i think like they go out and give monty williams that big contract in the offseason make him one of the highest paid coaches in the league like they did not expect no team expects to be there but these this team especially did not expect to be where they are and it really is It's it's sad to see yeah. Kind of reminds I, me of the Patriots, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I, 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 uh, one of the things I, I read leading up to this, uh, James L. Edwards, the third with the athletic, he had a really interesting dive into how, um, this team got to where it is now. And I didn't realize they had a chance throughout the years to get Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton. They gave up a pick that eventually became uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I guess what, if if y'all were in charge of the pistons what what would you do to try to change the the course of direction
2: i feel like it is it's almost just like a teardown job at this point i mean obviously you're going to keep kate but other than that yeah. i don't i don't even know where you start it's in such disarray and to have this much failure this early in the season it's it 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 does start you. I feel like you have to go down to the studs, but maybe that's just me being fatalistic here.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I don't know if you. I would caution like going and say fire Monty Williams. I don't know if that's the answer at all. No, no, though. no. Yeah.
2: Well, the, and and sorry, just really quick, that's another thing. And Esteban, this is something that you and I have talked about with the Celtics decisions with Joe Missoula. Is that when you look at the coaching turnovers, the different spans that the South that the Pistons have gone through since 2011, just churning through coaches, you know, three and four years, three and five years, uh, you kind of it's it's hard to build any culture for, you know, not to sound like a Miami person, but it's hard to build culture that way and instill confidence in your franchise.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I I think. The the one thing I will say, the streak will end eventually. Uh, they have, as we've mentioned before, they have a talented player in Cade Cunningham who, when healthy, he's going to lead that team to, to some wins. Um, right now, it's just tough. And I've said it before, winning is hard. We don't we don't appreciate how hard winning is. Uh, and it's it's as simple as that. It's like we we look at a team like the Celtics. We discuss them every week. And they make it look easy, and it's the opposite. And I think Detroit is is a perfect example. That like, look, like th- everybody in the league is good. You know.
0: Do you guys think there's any chance it ends tomorrow? They host the Raptors on the second night of a back to back. Toronto's in Boston tonight. Travel to Detroit tomorrow. Home road back to back could be tough. And Toronto's not great.
1: Could I be, hope so. could it be
0: tomorrow? I hope so.
1: I hope so. I think.
2: Esteban's like concerned for the Pistons' well-being at this point.
1: Yes, like I we, like emotional well-being. Them to win, I I the the league needs them to win. Uh, Wingstop has too much invested at this point. Yes, uh, I don't know if y'all seen the the logo like the 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 logo <laughs> moving further and further away on their when they tweet the the scores for the Pistons. Uh, yeah, it's I,
2: running. Away.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they it's. Like I said, everybody, I, I hate sort of the feeling that people have of like taking glee in in the pain of others uh, of this franchise. No, it's terrible. I yeah. want to see them win. Uh, I I say they win. They're as I said before. They're angry. They're desperate. They're hungry. Uh, it'll be it'll be like a it it'll be like a game seven for them.
2: Uh, let's move on. Something that came up this week because Mark Stein who's formerly with the New York Times, uh, it runs a sub stack now in his sub stack. He reported that the Celtics were interested, at least looking at former Celtic Kelly Olynyk, who's with the Jazz. Uh, he is averaging just under eight points a game, five and a half rebounds, playing about 22 minutes a game. And looking at him as kind of big insurance where this team definitely needs it, I believe. When you have Christoph Porzingis, who we all know his injury history. You have Al Horford, who, as great as he looks most nights, is still 37 years old and hasn't played uh, the second part of a back-to-back in the regular season in two seasons now. But I- I'll toss it up to you guys. I'm just going to jump in front of it and say I don't see this as a realistic option for the Celtics unless Kelly Olynyk somehow makes it to the buyout market. Uh, after the trade deadline in February. Otherwise, he's got $12.2 million. It's going to be too much that you'd have to send back to
0: Danny Ainge to make it work. Yeah, there's an obvious yeah. connection with the Celtics and Ainge, but like you said, that $12 million, so that's either going to take one of your top six guys, which you'd assume are untouchable, or multiple reserve guys, which if you're already questioning the depth, that doesn't make sense to move on from those guys. So I'm with you. I don't think there's any real logical way to make this trade work.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if I, I guess first, do we all sort of agree? And I, you said this Megan, I agree. Do we think that that the the big position, you know, forward center, that's where it's it's needed the most, uh, depth wise, on this team right now?
2: Absolutely, but that's been the case for years. I don't, right. you know, it, it's just the nature to me of the position where a lot of the hyper talented guys that make a difference in when they're on the floor happen to be very injury prone you know it's right. the body type for most teams so i don't think that they're alone in that which again makes it difficult cuz how right. many uh how much insurance can you get out there that's actually going to shore up you in a meaningful way i don't know it's something that they kind of have been living with in one form or, no- or another for several seasons at this point and right I don't really think that there's anybody out there that I see. It would have been an interesting if you could have seen Isaiah Stewart last night on the Pistons because right, he's right. a cheaper option and a younger option. But I, it's to me, it's like, yes, you, you certainly need the depth, but let's not think that you're going to go out there and get somebody uh, who's going to, you know, suddenly be the seventh guy in your rotation.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially at this point, like, yeah. What What are teams willing to give up? And like, if if Boston is trading, people are going to want something out of them. I, I mean, I, I is there anybody in the rotation, in the regular rotation, that you would be willing to give up? And that my sort of answer is, I I can't see it. Um, Not in the top I, eight I, now. Yeah, I wouldn't give up Peyton Pritchard. I wouldn't give up Sam Hauser. The um, one one name that. I saw sort of floated out there which i i I agree with vehemently even even looking at the numbers is um even like an even swap al horford for olenic which i just think is uh like Olenek is is probably or horford is probably the closest comparison on the team for what olenic is producing also at the that position um and he has like slightly better numbers only slightly but even then it's like you know trading mark is smart and the offseason was one thing. But if you trade Al Horford during the season um, as, like, your veteran leader, that's just a, a huge blow for the team, even if you're and getting a guy who, who could do maybe a little, just a little bit more.
2: You're just getting too cute is what I think. Yeah. It's like making a move. The only reason I think why you would do a move like that is if Al Horford is, you know, has some kind of terrible off-court behavior and he's never been that guy so i I can't really think of how that would be a meaningful upgrade
1: yeah Uh, uh, justin you you've uh you have have mentioned his name a lot so i want to ask you this namish kata do you think he has sort of is he's sort of the secret answer for for big depth uh i know you know he's on a two-way contract do you think that's like the answer that that they have it's it's sitting there already
0: well, I think it's the backup plan because they have the open roster spot right now. So you could convert his deal to a standard deal. And I think he's been good in his minutes. I think he really has to cut down on the fouling. It's been a real problem. He had four again <laughs> last night. Um, yeah. he also looks a little lost at times defensively, but in terms of like what they want to do, he's a terrific screener. He's awesome on the offensive rebounding. So I think he could be like kind of a plan B. Like if you can't find someone that makes sense, you can't, you know, ship out one of your lower end bench guys, then look, you have this empty open roster spot. Let's let's slide Cater right in. And I think he could make an impact. We've seen him do it in his minutes that he's gotten. And now last night again, Missoula went to him over Cornet. So he's starting to earn a look at the third center first one off the bench uh, when Al Horford starts. So, so um, yeah, I I think that could be your plan B.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, it is very much like in the vein of, you know, the Danny Ainge slash Brad Stevens Celtics of just like, let's find a guy who was like, okay. In his last stop. And then he'll come here and he'll just start producing. Um yeah, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really fascinated to see what, what they do with, with Kata just, just moving forward. I mean, do, do, y'all, do y'all see the Celtics converting the, that two-way into, into a full roster spot?
2: I could, especially after they survey what is available. And they love to wait for the buyout market traditionally. Yeah. And if they look around and he's developing the way that he has been very recently – like I agree, Justin, he, he looks like a young guy. Like he looks like yeah. a young guy who's lacking some experience and that's to be expected. I think it's just, um, it, it it's so much more noticeable when he's out there with most of the other guys that he's out there
0: with, where it's right. like,
2: Hey, you know, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Come back down to earth.
0: Um, it, and he's 24. So like you said, he's young. Yeah. It's to be expected. And he's playing with all all-stars I, pretty much. Like you look at that right. top five, it's, it's tough.
2: And it's, it sounds crazy to say that when it's like, okay, Jason Tatum is 25, but you know what I mean? In terms of just the experience, the minutes, the, uh, the, the situational stuff is where I think if he develops in that, then yeah, I don't see why not. You know, I think that that would make a lot, that would make more sense to me than going out and possibly dealing somebody else from your depth chart to bring in somebody who you don't even know if they're going to work in this current iteration.
1: Right. It, and again, it feels like if they want somebody of consequence, they'll have to give up someone who is already of consequence on the team. So, this is probably a larger conversation, but do they, do you see them making any big trades or at all or any big roster moves? Or do, do you, do y'all see them just sort of standing pat as it is?
2: I see them standing pat if you think that it's going to, If you're asking about whether any of the rotational players, you know, seven or eight guys are going to be sent out, I just it's tough because you want to give this team a vote of confidence before the trade deadline and signal to them that you are all in and that, you know, kind of reward them for the great effort that they have been consistently putting out so far in the season. But at the same time, you, you did so much work before the season started. I mean, you sent out two extremely meaningful core players and brought two new guys in. So it kind of feels like, again, I'm like, don't get cute. You know, don't go right. bring somebody in just to br- say, hey, we did something. You know, we're not cheap and we care about you.
1: Right, right. And if, if as we said, if, if we're all in agreement that we think this is, uh potentially the best team in the league as it is right now uh when healthy why why change or why why make too drastic of a change you know um it's not like they're a team like the knicks who are maybe like still a piece away or something like that um it feels like this team as it is has what it takes to uh be a true title contender why 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 mess that up
2: yeah look like you're not gonna bring in a a backup big. Who, if something happens to Porzingis, is going to make up right. for the loss of Porzingis. There's certain uh weaknesses down the depth chart that I think you're either you're you're just gonna have to learn to live with and compete with because no team is perfect.
1: Right. And even if Porzingis like if Porzingis gets hurt uh as we get later to the season, uh postseason, that all that already you're not, as you said, you're not gonna replace him. So it, it, why why give up somebody that you may need in that case uh, if it's someone lower on the depth chart uh, for a maybe uh, when when you need as much depth a, uh, as you can get?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Final take, and then we're gonna do we're gonna visit something right after this final serving from our take flight. We're gonna talk about the Ciara video. We're going to talk about Al Horford in the Ciara video. But before we get to that, I just have to ask you guys, do you feel like the NFL has successfully encroached on the sacred Christmas Day ritual that has been NBA basketball? Yeah. Do you feel like this slate of NFL games did enough to pull away? Look, it's never going to be... NBA is never going to compete audience-wise with the NFL. But I guess taking away from that tradition and making themselves the big moment of the weekend.
1: I would say no. I I, I still think of Christmas Day as that is a basketball day, um, with some football on the side. Like I it was I, I sat and watched the, the Ravens 49ers game. Uh, it was a great game, or it was at least exciting to see Lamar Jackson go off like that. Um, but I still think of Christmas Day as like, look, you have what, six ish really strong matchups. Um, and I think that it's why it may be the best of the holiday sport traditions, whether that's Thanksgiving football, Christmas basketball, because, you know, like Thanksgiving. Cowboys and Lions are always going to play, even if they're bad. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, but the Christmas Day games, you're always going to get good NBA games. Like that, on, on purpose, they schedule it that way, right? So, I, I think it's, I think it's still Christmas Day basketball with, uh, with the NFL there, sort of.
0: Justin, yeah, as a basketball guy, I was. I was watching basketball, but like a lot, like I was getting texts from my friends, like none of them are watching it. Like they're all watching football and that's just kind of, it falls, especially like fantasy playoffs. Now there's betting and stuff. Everyone's kind of focused on football. And I guess that's just the reality. Like, like you mentioned, Megan, like it's never going to compete audience wise. The NBA is just never going to compete audience wise. It's just, it's not going to happen. Football is King when it comes to viewership and all that. So I think it is kind of intruding a little bit on the uh, marquee day in the NBA calendar.
2: They'll never do it because of uh, the complete loss of revenue of games that they would lose. But I have always wanted the NBA to start on Christmas Day. The year that they did that, the strike year, was such a fun moment to me because I was so bummed out missing the NBA through the fall. I think it was 2011. And just sitting there waiting for might have been 2010. I'll go back and check. But um, waiting for basketball to come back, it was like such a moment because, again, you know, you always want to start with these marquee games. And I would love for that and for that to be the duration of the season. Again, it would never happen because they lose so much revenue. But if you did want to hold on to that spot and say, like, we own this day the way that the NFL owns one day of the week – for half the calendar year. I think that could be a way to do it. Again, we'll would, never do it. Too much less revenue. Yeah.
0: What would you think of this? I don't know how you guys felt about the in-season tournament. You make the knockout games of the in-season tournament on Christmas Day.
1: That's a great idea.
0: I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like
0: bring some Don't give more that away energy. for free, Justin.
1: <laughs> I, I'm not going to. That's that's locked up. That's that's a slant exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh I guess that it, I think it's great just because, like, yes, make it competitive and make it great. Right. I guess the other, the the only issue, probably from the NBA's perspective, is that they want to get, they want to guarantee their marquee names are on there. And if you have like a team like Indiana, who sort of is like, we're going to have a really good run during this, uh, during the tournaments, and we're just going to happen to be there, even though nobody necessarily thought that's what it was going to be, that could maybe like screw up a little of, of the league's grandiose plans, but if just having it be as competitive, as exciting as we saw the in-season tournament do or, or be already, that's great. And there's no reason the in-season tournament has to be that early in the season, right? There's nothing right really dictates that. Or you like just it.
0: extend it. So you're not necessarily having those, big tiebreakers Like we saw Celtics Bulls like those point differentials. Like if you extend it, they'll still be like, it'll, that'll still happen. Cause there's a point differential factor, but it won't be as drastic as it is when it's a four game regular season slate, I guess you would call it or whatever they call that. The group play slate is four games. Like yeah. if you extend it out, and make the group play or the, the uh, knockout rounds on Christmas day, I just think it's a good way to bring in more attention. Cause I, from what I saw in like the, uh, the ratings and stuff like they did really well, those in season tournament games. They did.
2: I think the only thing that you risk there is one of the points that they were trying to make was to make people watch November basketball. That's true. (laughs) That's true. The other side would be, okay, depending on the tournament schedule, you start to run up against NFL playoffs, which is just a nightmare scenario. I think even for very dedicated sports fans, it starts to go, okay, you know, one of these is an in-season tournament and one of these is looking towards the yep. Super Bowl. It's just a tough way to schedule. But I like right. the idea. Yeah. They're gonna have to tweak a lot of that tournament. So yeah, you know, we're sure. just giving out ideas for free here.
1: If if they do the in-season tournament on Christmas Day, uh to Justin's point, does that mean like they have like a candy cane court that is mandated <laughs> by the league or something like that?
2: It's like snowflakes instead of the uh yeah. You know, yeah regular lines they have a snowflake, a snowflake you, yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, I I, I could see off. it I could see it happening and, and everybody just please don't do that but
2: <laughs> it, it,
1: it that that aside that idea I think uh that works. let's do that. I would love to see that
2: okay the most important point of the entire show so far Anna Horford <laughs> putting out this video from Ciara, this music video that Al Horford was in. What year is this from? Like, I'm looking at it and Al Horford has aged very gracefully. Like, I'm not making a comment on that. But my, my guy is wearing a scarf indoors. Like, that's definitely of an era. I don't know if you ever remember that, uh, Justin, but there was an era of like, scarves are a, are an all-day accessory, so you take off your jacket, and it's like very uh, stylish for a guy to wear a scarf around like a long sleeve really? shirt.
0: Yeah, I have to bring that back.
2: That's got to be like 2010, right?
1: Yeah the the song is Never Ever by Sierra. It came out in 2009, so oh, I was uh, so close. So first term Obama era uh fashion um and yes al horford who i believe is with the hawks at the time because it was a second why year would of the he league. Be... right so yes he is with the hawks why else would he be he, like in, in a music video with sierra it's just so funny like of all the celtics you would think were in a music video i don't know where he let where he ranks <laughs> but it has to be like fairly low um yes but you, you know shout out al i think reading this is off of wikipedia uh so grain of salt here so according to wikipedia meanwhile al horford comes up to sierra introduces himself and asks her to dance realizing that she needs to let go of this frustrating relationship with her boyfriend and move on she accepts so uh he's kind of like her uh challenging you know sort of being like the third part of the love triangle there interesting who would have thought I love it. I love it. We need we need more Celtics in music videos playing the uh, the sort of suitor role. I what's I, the I, what is baby. the last
2: music video you watched? Because I was listening to a song with one of my friends over this last week and they were like, and it's actually a good music video. And I was like, I don't even know where I'd find that at this point. I had to search it out on YouTube.
1: Yeah, uh, everything is all YouTube now or even. I don't even think it's like YouTube anymore. It's just like make a song go hot on tiktok and then that's, that's where true. that's where people hear it uh and they used to have who,
0: those channels that would play the music videos like on cable like they'd be like are the, you talking the, about the an early... mtv terp? no 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 like <laughs> there's like they have these channels that would just play the music videos so like, like talking t- about it like
2: it's like an, like an alien
0: civilization <laughs> no they <laughs> like, used to, well, they I'm, used to... A, I'm a cord cutter so yeah it is a little it's a little bit alien to me are you talking about like the
2: mhz channels
0: yeah, we you like go they through with would music like videos. hip-hop classic hits yeah but they yeah. play the music videos just over and over again
1: yeah yeah like yeah like uh it's it's it it was still technically mtv but it was like mtv jams would ju- be nothing oh, yeah. but music videos uh i think vh1 had a, a similar a similar thing um so which current celtics uh al horford decide would you think would be best suited For to be in an R and B music video, I think you know Jalen Brown has already did like sort of the homemade video with him and his brother for his mom that one time. Yeah, Uh, but what what who would you think? I get my initial thought is like maybe Tatum or Pritchard. I could see Peyton Pritchard in a music video. That that would make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, Tatum is an obvious one, just because of his you know star level and how much he's already in commercials
1: dresses well
2: his, his acting has improved a lot i was saying that about the sports center commercial that he's in where he walks into yeah. the meeting room and somebody was like he doesn't even talk in that commercial and it's like maybe that's why it's good <laughs> <laughs> um i would have to go with luke cornett i would really like to see <laughs> luke Cornette, maybe in i don't know like uh uh, Megan the Stallion video. Yeah,
1: you know? he, he could. He Luke Horneet could,
2: could be in WAP Part Two or something.
1: He could be doing like the the butterfly bird thing that he does. Uh, I would I would pay to see it. I would pay to see it. That's that's a good pick.
0: I love the correct pick. That's great. Yeah. um Yeah. I think I have to go with Pritchard too. Like you've seen that video of him like dancing in front of the fridge. I was like, I would love to see that like a music video, like incorporate that somehow. I would love that. I think Pritchard's a good one, uh, but step Coronet would be hysterical. That'd be the best one.
2: Just giving out David. free ideas. Well, I David. think we're running out of time. We've gone pretty long today, but it was a big week for the Celtics. We will be back next week after New Year's. You guys have a great New Year's. Turp, you take it easy. Cause you're so young, I I, I'm worried about you on a holiday like this. You know, you get crazy out
0: there. It's actually my birthday on New Year's Eve too, so what? Even more, yeah, New Year's hold Eve. On, hold on, so hold on, hold on. Wait, before
2: we go, so wait, were you one of? Were your parents like hoping that you would be? Uh... Like the first baby born in Massachusetts or something like that on New Year's Day?
0: Knowing my mom, she probably was. I've actually never asked it. Maybe I'll do that now. I'll go give her a call and ask. But uh, yeah, New Year's Eve. So actually on my birth certificate, it says that we were born at night, but we were really born in in the morning. It was like 1155 in the morning, but on the birth certificate at night. So like I could claim that like, oh, I was almost a New Year's first baby born in Massachusetts. I was close, but yeah.
1: God bless. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you. Happy
2: early birthday, Terp. I'll bring you a cupcake next week. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) All right. See you guys. All right, y'all.